Welcome to our Brave Feminine Leadership podcast, and thanks for joining for the bite-sized conversation with David Thode. David's one of Australia's most respected and influential leaders. He was part of the original eight male CEOs asked to be on the then-titled Male Champions of Change. He and I discussed the main reasons some leaders never reach their full potential, you know, what the fundamentals of great leadership are and how you build a culture of inclusivity that values and celebrates the whole person coming to work. This podcast was titled Hashtag Humans. David is a non-executive director across a number of boards and prior to his non-executive career, he was the CEO of Telstra, Australia's leading telecommunications company. And prior to that, he was CEO of IBM for Australia and New Zealand. I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you want more, you can actually find our full conversation as one of the episodes in our podcast. Let's get into the chat. So if we can start with the culture and what you would call out as the hallmarks if you like of the sort of culture you know what is what does a culture feel like that mm. provides that inclusive sort of style that you're referring to right well yeah that's a, I, I do remember that presentation actually <laughs> um and and uh you know it's become quite a common term you know culture beat strategy um let me try and give you some context to it, Melissa, because it's um, it actually goes deeper than sometimes I worry about the react today about you know, people redefining values and 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 which are all important, but um, I think it goes a lot deeper. So let let me try to use Telstra as an example um, to it. So Tel- Telstra has always had a great set of values. I mean, I can remember. You know, we had service, trust, respect, integrity, commitment, and I think the the second, the last one was teamwork. Um, and and these had served as well. They're really good values, um, but somehow they had become, you know, on the poster, they were they were believed in, but they didn't actually drive our behaviour. And then, of course, what would happen? We'd have these values. And then we'd have this rule book. You know, and remember, Telstra was a regulated entity. So we had a large number of people looking over our shoulder, determining how we should behave. And, and then we were very good at uh, documenting, you know, this um, basically uh, how we should behave in any situation. And of course, they weren't aligned. I mean, because one was very prescriptive, follow the follow the rule book and on the other side they're saying well no we really want you to adhere to these values and and I remember looking at that and and determining that really you can never write a rule book about how people should behave I mean uh, here I am sitting in an office in in Sydney and you know I didn't see I mean what we had 40,000 people I couldn't be uh, in front of them all the time Um, and and you need, we needed a, a set of rule, you know, principles and values that allow people to make decisions within a certain framework so that we weren't having to write the book about it, but letting, enabling them. And I think probably the other thing that it comes from is I fundamentally believe people, 90, you know, 98%, 99% of the time want to do the right thing. Absolutely. 
and and yet somehow in large complex organizations um we put in these structures that you know always seek approval for what should be done and it's like delegating the decision up the tree you know when i first became ceo um anyone in Telstra who wanted to go overseas used to have to get the ceo's approval i mean quite honestly i had no idea at all about I'm the music <laughs> exactly in the days so, when we could travel <laughs> there you go exactly well at least we could travel then i suppose but so i you know it says so we talked about it as a senior team it wasn't just me um we said no look we really need to change the environment to give people you know trust them trust them you know and every time we get an employee engagement survey you know i think every organization in the world gets it you know hey i really trust my immediate manager but those senior people up there you know don't want to have much to do with them yep so we wanted to try to invert this um behavior and actually recognize you know people and their innate worth and their value and how good they were so we we spent a lot of time looking at um you know what those values could be and we so we changed them from those very good values of service trust respect integrity to ones that um were a little bit different so one was trust each other to deliver mm-hmm. now that doesn't sound much when i say it now but rather than this culture of follow up or um of rule base we said no david i'm going to trust you to do what you said you're going to do and and if you muck up come and talk to me about it but i'd start from a fundamental position of trust mm-hmm. so that was the first one um we also had a a new value it said find your courage um that we didn't want people who were just complying we wanted people to step out and do what they believed was the right thing to do and not be confined by what the rule book said this um we also which was a very specific Telstra one which was make the complex simple mm-hmm. because uh we had a culture where we always said well it's really complex you know well, we we know it's really complex but great people go through complexity to simplicity and in fact great leaders make really complex issues really simple mm-hmm. so um and then we really said the look in the end for all of us in me as the ceo and every one of us the, the final arbiter is the customer and so no matter what we do we weren't saying the customer's right every time but we said the final arbiter is the customer and that should drive our behavior uh and i realized as i look back that that was really quite significant not because customer centricity is implicitly right or wrong it is right but what it did it actually created an arbiter that sat outside of us of all of us so it wasn't my opinion or someone else's opinion yeah. it was an external standard that we all held ourselves to about creating brilliant product the way we turned up every day that every one of us could make a difference with us in treasury or I was doing 
um, you know, service, you know, frontline service or sales. It was every one of us about how we turned up. And, and I think that that was what we meant by culture. So yes, it was some words, but it was how we translated the behavior. And then we went through every policy inside Telstra to make sure that our policies reflected those values. And that was, you know, one of the big changes we made. Being, uh, I'll use the travel example, because um, we we then changed our travel post. By the way, this was nothing new. We borrowed it from Netflix. We said, hey, from now on, um, anybody in the organization can go wherever they like. You don't need to get anyone's approval. Go for it. And uh, the only thing is that you'll be held accountable for the decision you make. Yep. I mean, that. Which just, I mean, I know it sounds simple, but it's actually, you know, if I want to go to a conference in Singapore, as soon as I get the approval from my boss, well, I'm sort of, I'm free from the responsibility of the decision. I, you know, off I go, I do my conference, come back. Whereas if it's my decision and I have to justify it, completely different attitude. And, uh, and, and there were many examples like that. So this is about, you know, enabling people to be, take accountability, be responsible, recognizing them, celebrating them, holding us all to a separate standard. So it is, it, is, it is subtle, but really significant in how, you know, you bring a group of people together, all from different backgrounds, you know, diverse geographically, culturally, et cetera. And it brings you together in a way that uh, is difficult to do. And I think alignment is one of the most important things in an organization. Mm. Really hard to do. But if you can get alignment against a few simple things, it's amazing what you can do. So that's some of the things behind culture. And that's why um, we said that culture uh, was probably more important than strategy. This, of course, the strategy is important. Yes. But you get that culture right it allows you to course correct a lot more effectively and quickly. Um, it allows you to drive ownership and people engage in a way that often is difficult to get. Uh, and it stops the sort of top down, well, all wisdom is you know, found in the CEO and the senior leadership team. And that's just not true. It's about how we all come together. So, I hope that gives you a little bit of an insight. For people who are focused on improving their own leadership, you know, what, mm. what advice would you have kind of, you know, top three questions they should ask themselves? Mm. Yeah. Um, look, I'm not sure I'll give you the, you know, um, the perfect answer here, but um, look, I, I do think great leaders um, have this great self-awareness um, I mean, you, you asked the question the way about the alignment of your values to the organisation. Really important, um, but it's got to start. It's got to start inside you. You've got to know what you stand for, mm. and and I think a lot of us, and I would include myself, don't spend enough time um, reflecting on what 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 really gives us energy, what we find difficult, what we find easier. And and I you know, I mean many leadership programs we all go on over out the years where you 
get feedback, etc. Some better than others. Um, but I think they're really important because when you know what drives and motivates you, when you ask, you started this interview asking me about what drives me, and uh, man, it's a very good place to start. So you've got to be aware of that and then move from there. Um, and and I do, and I, I think the biggest derailer for future leaders or leaders of today is a lack of self-awareness. And uh, because I, I mean, I've known wonderful people and, you know, who have never quite realized their ultimate potential because there's been, you know, this lack of awareness of how they impacted others or they didn't get the right people around them. Mm. So I'd really start there. That'd be the first one. The second one is um, in, in, in knowing what drives you, then being clear about what it is that you want to achieve. Now, and that goes back to this purpose-driven, you know, what, what, really, what really gives you value? Not, and, you know, I mean, climbing up an organizational structure, it may, so I call credit to you, but it's really the why do you want to do that? You know, why do you want to be a leader? Why do you want to be a manager? And being really honest with yourself about what is the driver. And then determining, you know, the cost of doing that. Because, you know, you know being a leader, I mean, look at, look at the premiers of the States at the moment. Think about how many hours they're spending every day. You know, they're not with their family. They're doing things. It takes incredible discipline and resilience and a commitment. Uh, so really assess that and and determine if that's something you're willing to step into because uh, that's what great leaders do. And so when I, I, you know, often I look at the qualities of leadership and, you know, as I look at, um, you know, the millennials versus Gen X, Gen Y, has the fundamental traits of leadership changed? And look, I know they manifest themselves differently, but I don't think they do. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, you know, great leaders, you know, with all their their strengths and their failings, have this self awareness, but they're driven by this bigger aspiration to achieve something, and then they give so much to it. And so, I think that the three things I would reflect on. Um, now, look, do you need to be good at what you do? Yes. Do you need to, you know, have strategic insight? All the different things, but. Yeah. I think those things are really what drive uh, great leaders in the end. I think they take you to a certain level and then then it's all the mm. other stuff that becomes, I think, more important on your journey. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, because there's, I mean, all of us in our leadership journey, there's times that are really testing and trying and, you know, it sort of throws you on back to what you stand for and be able to, whether those difficult times um, is really what is, you know, you go back to what you're standing for to get, get through that. And, uh, you know, I can remember, you know, I became CEO of Telstra um, and, you know, it was a very difficult time. It wasn't the most popular job in Australia at the time. Um, not many people, you know, really admired Telstra as a company. 
Um, and I can remember some people saying, you know, why did you ever accept that job? <laughs> and uh, the first year was not easy. You know, no, you know, I didn't get rung up by journalists wanting to do an interview or they didn't invite me out to lunch, Melissa, you know. <laughs> yeah, so and I'd go to Canberra and they didn't want to talk to us either um, because you know, it was a company that... I think was arrogant. It, it, it was not delivering good service. It would, um, it had just started to lose its way, and then, then a big sort of change in policy. Um, we had to really go back to what we stood for. Uh, I can remember in the first month we um, we we had made a decision, or a decision had been made prior to me becoming CEO to um, start to charge for every bill. Right. We're going to charge, you know, $2 for every bill. And, um, and you know, which was, you know, this intent, you know, to move electronic. and But, you know, with a customer base like, you know, Telstra, you know, with <laughs> many people still going to the Australian post office to pay the bill. and But the company was really committed to doing it. And I can remember sitting in a meeting and, we sort of went around the room and everyone said, well, should we do it? No, everyone was struggling with it. And uh, and they said, everyone said, well, look, we've got this far, we might as well do it sort of thing. And I just couldn't make myself say yes. So we ended up pulling it. And it's sort of those moments of truth that um, where you, you're trying to be true to what you stand for and you go out on a limb. And, you know, I, and, and I think we probably missed our plan that year in that particular part of the business, but it was the right thing to do. So it's that sort of thing that really makes a difference. Are you a risk taker, Dave? Um, I think I'm a calculator risk taker. I mean, risk is a part of business and a part of life. Um, we all do risky things, don't we? You know, having children's risky, you know, <laughs> having, um, you know, going out driving on the streets are risky. So yeah, I think I am, I, but I, but like all of us, I think around you know, how you manage risk and how you mitigate the risk. And um, and risk is different to betting, you know. Um, but even betting has a certain amount of risk which you can calculate. So yeah, I think risk is uh, is really important. And risk and the greater the risk, the greater the reward often. So I think it's important we know we are risk takers but you but also at the same time thinking about the implications and being calculating in that risk um starting up a new company is risky but and you know it's because what i think within um first two to three years something like 50 percent of all businesses fail so is that risk you're willing to take so yeah i think i actually but what I know that feeling vulnerable and feeling moments of self-doubt is not uniquely female. Sure isn't. <laughs> and I would just love to understand, you know, when when have you felt um, particularly vulnerable and how did you move past that point? Mm. Well, I mean, I really agree with you. I think it's a, it's a trait of, um, for all of us, you know, we get put into positions where we, you know, question our own ability and um, and feel vulnerable. Um, maybe it's through, 
you know, some some people have an ability to not really look at the truth and just sort of blunder through. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I've been lots of times when I've felt, um, you know, you know, this is it's all too complex. I didn't feel I had the skills to do it. Um, yeah, I think when I became CEO, even of IBM, um, suddenly you you've worked with a group of people for you know 20 years and suddenly you're elevated and to be the leader and um with that goes a certain sense of you know what you know what you have to do and you're not really equipped for that um same with when you know become put into leadership position at Telstra. you know i mean dealing with the markets um you know having to work with the board and things like that and and things don't always go right i remember um at uh, Telstra the first year we had two profit warning warnings and uh, and the market was not not impressed um, and so at that moment think gee you know uh, maybe this is all too much so how do you respond well I you know it goes back again you've got to go back to who you are and what you believe is the right thing because if it's purely for self-recognition then yeah, well, miles ago somewhere else. So, but you know, each time you go back to, well, I fundamentally had a belief that Telstra could be a great company, in fact, a great global company. I and I felt for the people that I felt that they were not recognised for everything that they did, um, and and also that was deep within what I felt was right at the time, and that was what kept me going. Now. I was willing to say, hey, if I'm not the right person, grab somebody else, that's okay. Mm -hmm. So I was willing to be, you know, caught or, and also ask for help. You know, I remember having a lot of conversations with Catherine um, and trying to be absolutely honest and say, well, are we missing something here? So being open about that, that questioning of yourself and then making the best decision possible. And then you've got to execute too. I mean, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're measured by an outcome. I mean, I, I make no apology for that. Um, you've got to deliver. Um, and so, and there's a certain time to do that. But along the way, you've got to keep testing. Is this the right thing? Is it not? And inevitably it comes back to yourself, but you've got to, you've got to stand strong in who you are as an individual. Uh, and then, and then you know play out what you think is the right thing if you're wrong fine move on yeah a lot of people do think that it's a sign of weakness to raise their hand and ask mm. um and i think it's the absolute opposite but um mm. I think it'll be wonderful for our audience to understand that so david thody you've also suffered from imposter syndrome along the way have you <laughs> yes, yes. absolutely i have you know you think, well, how have i you know why are they listening to me? I don't have anything. But but in there, I think there's a you know the um, the ability to be yourself. Um, you know, with all our imperfections, but also we have strengths. You know, I mean, you have wonderful strengths, great communication, look at everything you're doing. Um, but you know, we all have our our challenges, and but but in that, celebrating that and and having that freedom and not trying to be something you're not. And um, and I think that great leaders have that 
ability uh, and there's a humility about them mm. and there's a caring about others as human beings. Um, that, 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 with that comes hard work and discipline, rigor, all the rest of it, but, but that's what really allows people. So, yeah, I've suffered from, you know, bouts of, you know, well, you know, not feeling comfortable, you know. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, there's nothing there. I love knowing everything about a topic I'm going to talk about, do the research, but there's times I don't. And, um, and you know, you sort of feel, oh, gee, I'm not in a comfortable place. And so you just got to reflect on that and be honest about it, and, but then offer an opinion. So, yeah, that's just... That's sort of life. It's like, as I said, raising kids, you don't have all the answers all the time, but somehow they turn out okay, don't they? <laughs> what does brave feminine leadership look like? And do you, mm. think it, do you think it needs to change? Right. Brave feminine leadership. Well, I'll go back to the point I raised before. I think what leadership, really, um, irrespective of race, creed, gender, you know, has certain qualities. So I think the characteristics of leadership, you know, I mean, I talk around, you know, great leaders have great vision. You know, they have this humility of spirit somehow. You know, they have great self-awareness. Uh, usually they have great integrity. You know, they you know, usually have this great resilience commitment. There's something strong about them and discipline and often have this sense of humanity. I think those things, are not gender specific at all. So I think great leadership is great leadership. I think in terms of bravery, um, I think we all need to be courageous, you know, stepping into the uncomfortable position, you know, with all the vulnerability. Mm. And, but I do recognize that probably that women have had to do that more because of all the stereotype and gender bias. So I do think there is a sense of bravery and I would encourage you to have the self-confidence to step out and know that things don't need to be perfect. None of us are perfect, but give it a go. So mm. I think there's that element too. Is there differences in for women in their leadership style? Look, I there's certain traits that we all have and maybe... There's some, you know, in, you know, one, but that becomes, you can very easily sort of start to stereotype, you know, that, you know, women are more, more, you know, caring and sucker, you know, you know, because of children than men. I'm, I'm not convinced that that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I would tend to try to move away from those stereotypes and say, let's celebrate great leadership. And, and and how people turn up as individuals, we do that, mm -hmm. then we will all be, it'll be a better society, a better community, a better business environment, and hopefully a better country. We do that, then we're getting the best out of people, we're helping them be successful, we're creating opportunity, and we're not limiting people. And and that's often what we do with all our you know biases and you know, ways that we look at the world where we want to be more inclusive. So mm. that's what I would say. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you've loved these conversations and you want to join in and be part of the Brave Feminine Leadership community and fill yourself up with inspiration, there are lots of ways you can find us. Our website is bravefeminineleadership.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook if you look at at Brave Feminine Leadership or find us on LinkedIn and connect and become part of an incredible community of senior professionals. Come and join us. Can't wait to see you there.